0: Apologies are in order, the the light is burned out here so you don't get to see my face in all its sharp clarity, which is probably a blessing for you, but (laughs) anyway. (laughs) People are different, so are animals. At least one Cornell University researcher tries to classify cats According to personality, do you want to find out if little Fluffy will grow up to be a mouser or a lounger? Now, if cats are different types, why, of course, so are people. And Jesus knew that. He knew that people are different. And so an atmosphere of sadness really hangs over this gospel story, this parable. Jesus spoke the parable of the sower, really, as I mentioned, should be called the parable of the soils. He spoke it when people were flocking to him in great numbers, and he was at the pinnacle of his success. The crowds are so large, Matthew tells us, that he has to get into a boat in order to address them while they fill up the shore. When people are flocking in droves, enduring hunger and miles of travel, and when they are doing this because here is a man speaking about salvation, you'd think that everything would be just wonderful. Open a Twitter account and we'll get more followers than the Pope and Billy Graham combined, Jesus might have said to his disciples. But nothing like that happens. Instead, there are stories about burning heat, and choking thorns, and predatory birds. Is it so surprising that the Savior might be sad when he sees the fate of the Word of God in so many human hearts? The sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. You might be inclined not to blame the path. After all, paths are meant to be walked on and not to grow wheat or barley A path should be beaten down and smooth, and just as there are even black-topped paths, there are black-topped hearts as well. They are smooth and often very presentable. Streets have their names, and if you're trying to get somewhere, you better know the name. People, too. There are some you need to know their name if you want to get somewhere in life. If that is your ambition, to be a Wilshire Boulevard, or even uh, Route 66, I suppose, to those who are around you, know this, that what is an advantage in one way can be a hindrance in another. A person who is only a busy street with traffic rushing through hour after hour without a moment of rest will hardly provide the soil in which the eternal seed of the word can grow. People who are always on the go are the most in danger. A person who can no longer be receptive soil for at least 15 minutes a day who never allows himself to be plowed and opened up spiritually for God to drop something of his word into the furrow, that person is infinitely poorer than the nameless nobody where fruit is springing up. Busyness can easily masquerade as fruit when it's only just lost motion. Where will the paved over heart be when the great reaper and king, the Lord Jesus, comes with his sickle and crown? The pavement will lie empty and deserted, with only a few patches of weeds sprouting in the cracks and the gutters. The word of God is rich in the promises it offers, but it is also demanding. It demands a stretch of time in our day in which it is our only companion. Otherwise, how will you truly understand it? And for those who don't understand it, Jesus says the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. To meditate upon the scriptures means to ponder the word of God in our hearts. Contemplate it. Think about it and constantly apply it to our lives, then and only then does the word unleash its power to do battle with the other forces that beset us, the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature that want to snatch away the hope, the help, the comfort, and the power that God offers us in that word. Birds at least recognize what the pavement does not. The power and life that is locked up inside seed. The power and life of God's word. Modern people contemplate all right, but it is not the word of God that is allowed to conjure up all sorts of pictures in the mind. The internet, the marketers, the pornographers, and pitchmen are all too glad to do that. It's the demonic birds that keep flying in and pecking away in a whirlwind of wings. And naturally, when the storm is raging within us, we never hear a pin drop. When God comes, he comes only on cat feet. And so we must be still with the word in order to listen to him when he does come to us through it. Other seeds, Jesus goes on, fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And when the sun rose, they were scorched. But since they had no root, they withered away. This is the one, he interprets, who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, Immediately, he falls away. At first, it would appear that things were a bit better in the case of this second type of person. At first, when they hear the word, they're enthusiastic. They're not just bare rocks. There's at least a thin layer of soil for the word to sprout in. These people have been touched. They may even speak about being converted, or born again, and yet the heart that briefly was a glowing coal becomes a cold black lump. In most cases like this, it was a kind of emotional Christianity. It's good to be suspicious of unbridled enthusiasm, because if the word works in a person, it starts by killing them, before they can be born again. And if birth itself is a painful thing, then the new birth should at least equally be so. There's many a cramp and spasm before the new life has struggled free. There's not only one cord that needs to be cut and tied off, but many. When a person is merely inspired or thrilled, Beware that this may only be froth and foam. The Word of God is not a feather to tickle the ear, but a hammer to crush the heart before it can be revived again. The Word offers a lot of good advice on living well and wisely, but good as that may be, if it is not for Christ that we live well and wisely, it's nothing. Practicing a few Christian principles is fine. Maybe not even practicing, but simply having them is fine. But so doing costs us little and has no power to turn us around or inside out. If we have no wounds, we need no divine healer. Because we do not feel ourselves in the depths, We do not cry out of those depths for a savior. There is nothing more cheering than transformed Christian people. And there is nothing more disappointing than people who have been merely brushed by Christianity. Need we say much about the thorns that characterize the third type of soil? This is the one, Jesus says, who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. These thorn people are ones in whose soil something besides the seed of the word is growing. And this is so with all of us. If we cannot believe and the seed will not grow, Only in the rarest of cases is it because of intellectual issues. Much more often, when we cannot believe, there is something in the background of our life which is not in order. I am not prepared to part with some very definite thing or things. God can have everything but this one thing he cannot have. He can have everything but I'm not going to give up my standard of living or my private life to an excessive demand of neighborly love. That, you see, is where I draw the line, God. The chain of doubt and faithlessness to which we are shackled has many links, but these aren't intellectual reasons so much as sins, dependencies, secret bondages. These are what prevent us from finding peace and blockful surrender. These are the thorns that prevent the seed from producing fruit. What will God's word help me recognize and root out of my life? And lastly, what about the good soil? These are those who not only hear, but also, Jesus says, hold fast to the word. Hearing is easy, but to hold on to the word and to rest one's life on it, that's the great test. This means to count on it and to take it into account, to understand and trust that Jesus can break and will break our chains so that we need not go on staring at them with horrible fascination because he and he alone has set us free. To take the word seriously means to trust no matter what your health, no matter what the economy, no matter what your personal situation in life. To take the word seriously means really to see my neighbor, the brother or sister of the Savior. In those that I meet and deal with. Never will I get into the clear with God and never will I have peace if I only hear and go on hearing when there is ever so much more. The seed grows, we know not how, there's plenty of parables about that Jesus tells. We cannot make it grow, God does. At most all we can do is let nothing get in the way. There are two things that have to be mentioned still. We should not draw any false conclusions for this parable and think our life is all hopelessly determined by what sort of soil we happen to be. The fact is that everyone has all four kinds of soil within himself or herself. There are certain times in our life, and there are also certain levels in the self, in which we are hard ground, or rocky ground, or thorny ground, and fertile soil, all in one. We can and should enter into judgment with ourselves. Introspection is enabled by God's word, the law. But that only gets us so far and not far enough. The second point is to realize that Jesus is not telling us this story in order to give us the agricultural statistics of the kingdom of God. We are misunderstanding him disastrously if we think that his purpose was simply to entertain the crowds that came out on an afternoon in Galilee. This is more than analysis. Jesus is never primarily interested in statistics, if at all. He's interested in us, saving us for God, making us his followers. And so he always puts us to work. He says, clear out the thorns. See to it that the seed does not fall on the path. Be careful not to be so shallow that the word cannot take root. Jesus says, be good soil, because that's what I have made you. I've removed the rocks of sin and fertilized you with my blood. Hold on to the word in stillness. Get rid of the hardness and callousness. Don't squeeze God into a few cracks and crevices or your day's business, but give him a space of daily quiet. And don't duck death and repentance. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, St. Paul writes in Philippians. And that's because God says, I'm at work within you. I want to start a garden But my yard's a little problematic, a customer told the proprietor at the yard and garden center. I get blazing afternoon sunshine for about two hours, but otherwise it's all shade. What kind of soil? asked the proprietor. Hard clay, lots of rocks, said the customer. What do you recommend I plant? Hmm mused the store owner. Why don't you look down aisle B? We got a big new supply of bird baths and flagpoles. Gardening is like that in the kingdom of Home Depot. It's not like that in the kingdom of heaven. God causes the word to grow. He attaches his promise to that word. My word will not return to me empty, he said through Isaiah the prophet, but will accomplish the purpose to which I send it. That purpose is to save, not condemn. To bear fruit, not to wither and to die. To raise up sons and daughters for the kingdom and to spread abroad life, light, faith, hope, The word is there for us to bring forth fruit 100-fold in the good soil that God has made us through his Son, our Lord Jesus. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.